large vacuum mode, clearly on top. Arcadia Queen is running on. 200 to go. Russian Camelot has a race. Arcadia Queen coming at Russian Camelot. Russian Camelot, Arcadia Queen. Arcadia Queen first look at 2000 is going to turn over Russian Camelot. Arcadia Queen a link to the corner. Russian Camelot. I remember watching it back to the this bike might be pretty smart, I think. Nevada Hood and the Autumn Sun goes for the lead at the 200 metres, put down a length and a half, two lengths, Vasilina, and extends the Autumn Sun, three or four lengths in front, and Syrian racehorse, the Autumn Sun, blazes in spring, bumps in six lengths. Hello, welcome back. Welcome to the Second Again podcast. Obviously got me and Jackson. It's Nick and Jackson here reporting. Look, it's a Friday night. It's actually been a pretty good day outside, which is pretty rare for Sydney at the minute, Jacko. Um, what did you fill your day with, brother? Mate, the sun's poked its head through. I don't know what's going on. It's been sort of five or six days of just torrential shit. Felt like back in the autumn when we we're trying to find a good track at, at Ramwick and Rose Hill for absolutely no chance. But yep, sun poked its head through, mate. I just uh, spent the head in the screen as I do most days. You do that, and here's something, here's an insight for a few of our listeners. Jackson has a job that I couldn't even describe what he does. He just, he sends emails off occasionally, he gets sent emails occasionally and responds to them back and forth. What, what do you actually do, mate? Like, can you let us know? Yeah, you just, you put on a collared shirt, mate. You just go sit, sit yourself in front of a computer, make sure there's some sort of typing noise happening, and then you're away, Right. From there, you just make other people money. That's pretty much it. Not much comes back the other way. And you're you're in, are you in the insurance business or the mortgage? What is it mortgage? The same mortgage? Mortgage? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Interesting. So I reckon this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing you trapped in a little cubicle, right? In like a one by one cubicle. You've got the Excel spreadsheet up with not a lot on it, and you're probably looking at the form as you sit there as a day to day, like whether it be Ascot, Dubbo, whatever. And then as your boss walks past, the Excel spreadsheet comes up, you click a few buttons and off you go. Is that about right? Close enough, mate. And I don't know if you'll believe this or not. Maybe the, the listeners might, but I've got a big fat photo of the autumn sun parked right behind the computer screen, mate. So at any times, if I'm getting stressed or whatever, I know that everything's going to be okay, mate. That's fantastic. And look, with with no nice weather on at the moment, it's nice that you can have the autumn sun in the background. Did you like what I did there? Did you enjoy that? I hope you, hope you enjoyed that, mate. That you and your dad jokes. <laughs> um, look for me, I'm on school holidays at the moment, Jacko. So I've actually had a bit of a I've had a bit of an incident, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if anyone saw the forecast on Saturday, but it was genuine torrential, but apparently that wasn't enough to call off a club game of football. Um so we played in the wet and I've decided to break my thumb in, in the second quarter, mate. So, yeah, no good there. Not much fun. Um, I actually ended up playing the game out, which was probably in the top four dumbest things I've done, maybe top three. Um, took a couple of Panadine Ford at halftime and, yeah, it looked silly. But I did have a few kicks in the third quarter as well, so it was half worth it. Nice, mate. I, I, I dare say, not to bring everything back to punting, mate, but I dare say that in those top four dumbest things you've ever done, I dare say Kementari's probably in there somewhere. <laughs> having, having, having a bet on the old special K is probably up there. Oh, and not wrong at all. The, the problem with me being out of action at the moment and on school holidays, I think you know what I'm alluding to. Yep. Dubbo and Tari do get a run. Been there, done that, mate. Absolutely. Um, good opportunity for us to just reflect, I reckon, We've had a 
fucking it's a, you almost just got to sit down and just have a bit of a chat about it sometimes we've we've had a, a month full of guests that i wouldn't have even dreamed of speaking to and we've sort of it's all just happened really quickly it's kind of nice to have a week away from it so just for our listeners that are catching up we, we've had tommy berry um who's just one of the best blokes getting around he came on for a half an hour chat with us and i'll probably remember that forever he's a good mate now as well but he was just a ripper, Jacko, wasn't he? Fuck. Yeah, absolutely. And he just carried us through as well. You and I are obviously nervous to have a guy of that stature on the on the potty. It's the first time we'd had a guest on, and he just brought out stories that we just never thought we'd be discussing with a you know top line jockey on on our podcast. So you just got to pinch yourself sometimes. But I've got to say, like massive thank you to everyone that's supporting and, and listening to us week in week out, and um, you know liking and sharing on Instagram and and uh, Facebook and and everything like that. So. Hats off to all the listeners, guys. None of it's possible without you. For sure. And we've also had guests like Brody Loy, who we will touch on a little bit later in one of our other segments that we've got coming up, and, and Chris Parnham, who are both absolute legends. So big thank you to them. And, and there's bigger things to come too, guys. So just stay excited. Look, other than that, life's all right, Jacko. Life's okay, but we are in the lull of the racing season, unfortunately. So we wanted to take an opportunity just to have a little bit of a chat and reflect on, on the end of the racing season and the season that it's been. Fuck, there's been a bit happening, mate. It's been a fair bit happening. I, I can't even keep up with it. There's shit going on in the UK, the spring, you know, like it, it's all over the place, but that's why we love it, mate. The carnival just rolls on and keeps going. Absolutely. So the, the unfortunately, the horses that aren't that great are running around this weekend. And we'll get to a little bit of form later. I want to play a little bit of a draft game with you, though. All right, and the way this is going to work, we get three picks each, and these are for the performances of the whole season. So you can go all the way back to June last year, or, or May, uh, sorry, August last year, and you can go all the way to now. You get to pick one, but we can't pick the same each. Okay, you get three choices, and we'll go back and forth, and we're going to see who we think's come up with the better three. Does that sound all right to you? Sounds good, mate. Let's do it. I'll give you pick one because. It seems weird to introduce the segment and then take pick one. So I'll, I'll give you pick one. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, you know what? Might not be the highest profile one, but we this is a horse that we tipped on the second again potty. And I'm just going to go back as far as the autumn. So I'm going to look at the ATC Derby, which was won by Hitotsu. I mentioned in our in our review podcast after that week that that was one of the most freakish staying performances I've ever seen. The horse went from a mile all the way up to 2,500 and was still too good for them. The big fat grey Benno came up on the outside and, and put half a length on him. And Hitotsu just kept finding the line. He got squeezed at the 200 by two different horses. Allegron was on the inside that day and the horse just kept finding and, and pounced. Even in the wet track as well, which is not his go, he just continued to find. So that's one of the more freakish staying performances I've seen, not just this season, but of all time since I've started following racing. So, mate, that's got to be on top for me. All right. So you've taken Hitotsu. I was going to head that direction as well. Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go very elegant in the cup. I think when you just have a look at the fact that she was 21 bucks that day to do what she did as a mare, I think she had 57 kilos incentivized was all the rage and she just, she shit in really. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that's one of the best performances I've seen definitely from a mare and in a, on the stage like that, just unbelievable. So I'll take very elegant. There you go. Awesome. Well, mate, talking of big stages, where I'm going next is overseas to the probably the biggest we can find. And, and that was over at Royal Ascot only a few weeks ago, oh, where, where the big fella Nature Strip and J-Mac 
And we, of course, we can't forget Chris Waller, the absolute master. They went over. They had a plan. He was only going over for one run. It was do or die. And the horse absolutely demolished them. What I love to see as well, and you know, we, we obviously love bashing the palms when we when we do head over there, whether it be cricket or whatever. Love getting the getting one up on the palms. But there was a there was a riderless horse that was on the inside of him that dropped fifty odd kilos and still couldn't run down Nature Strip. So that just added to the performance for me. That was freakish. He just stamped himself as the best sprinter in the world. There's no ifs or buts about it. From you know a thousand to twelve hundred, there's just no horse that'll beat him on his day. So Nature Strip's my next pick for sure, mate. He's a freak, and I reckon you've given him a fairly good, fair rap there as well. We'll say that no Nature Strip wins can now be said. There's the Nature Strip one done. You can't say any TJs or Everest and all the other massive money that he's earned. The next one I'm going to go with, I was going to say one, but I'm going to hold off and I'm going to go with Fireburn in the slipper. Um, Sorry to take this one off you because I know you tipped this girl that day, but I just thought this was a fantastic win. She was at some nice odds. she be, she's becoming an absolute star and I can't wait to see what she's going to do in this spring. Um, just an outstanding win, mate. And a really good ride too, just 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 quietly. So I'll take Fireburn and a slipper at my second pick. Yeah, absolutely. A freakish performance then as well. And I think adding more to that particular run was she got uh, smashed into the fence by the stable mate at about the 1,000 metres. So that just adds to that performance there. Super excited for her to come back as a three-year-old for sure. So... Yeah, you've taken mine, so I've got to sort of reset now. So, geez, you know what? I'm going Animo in the Rose Hill Guineas. Oh, you're a cat. You love this thing. I know. I know he's short on the day. I know some people would think I've got shares in him. I fucking wish I did. But um, yeah, look, he just did what he was expected to do on that day. Um, Profondo's a horse with a lot of talent. Converge was in that. Halal. There was plenty of nice talents in that in that race, and he won by seven. Just absolutely destroyed them. So. He just stamped himself as the best three-year-old going on. I'm not sure if he's going to press on for the spring. I hope they do. He's he's just got so much more to give this horse, and I'm super excited if they do. You know, but the other thing as well, the other side of racing that we don't often talk about is once horses get those two or three big wins on the board and they're still a cult, more often than not, they just head off to the to the paddock. So, you know, you've you got to look no further than a horse like the Autumn Sun, who we've compared to Animo in the past, and that's sort of the level that this horse is at. So... Rose Hill Guineas Animo was just a, a monster performance. Bang. And didn't he just win by panels that day? That was that was something special. Fair play. I wouldn't have picked him. I wouldn't have picked him only based on times. I'm a bit, you, we were a bit of times people we are, and we know that that time wasn't flashed that day. I'm going to go with my last pick, and this is more the theatrics of racing, I reckon. This was Nash on Think It Over in the QE2. This was $41.00. The horse that everyone said, geez, should we be letting this thing get around at 41s? And no one had a slice. Brings it to the outside fence. Absolute fucking bog track. Think it over. Unbelievable in that race. I, I can't leave it out of me top three. So, yeah. I, yeah. And, and that of, of the, the five or six we just mentioned, then that's probably the soft point is a horse of that quality was able to go around at 40s and just get it done like that. But Nash is the master, mate. And just quickly, Ned, one thing I forgot to mention about Nature Strip. Speaking of the Poms and how bloody pompous and arrogant they are, Nature Stripe. If anyone oh. wants to go back and, and watch the replay of Nature Strip, mate, the caller was saying Nature Stripe. Like, I honestly hope that bloke lost his job. I'm not a cynical person or anything, but you got one job. He's the most high-profile horse to come over in the last, well, since Black Caviar, and you don't even know his fucking name. Do you think it was on purpose? Like, it, it gives me that vibe. Listen, like, I, I've got no problems with Poms. 
but Pom's involved in racing for some reason. I don't know what it is. They just, for some reason, they think they're just better than than any any Aussie horse. Maybe in the staying ranks, they're probably right. But when when Nature Strip or Nature Stripe comes over, you, you got to know his fucking name. I agree. Speaking of this horse, can we just quickly touch on the resume that this horse is building as now an eight-year-old? Like, you, you just can't understate how much of a star he is. Like, he's come out, he's won nearly eight, nine group ones now. For the season, how much how much money do you reckon he earned this season? What do you, just take a guess? How much? Ah, uh, there was the Everest. I don't know how much he won over there in Ascot. There's a TJ. He's got to be close to double figures in the millions. Yeah, we're talking nine million dollars in one season, like twelve months, and he only races what eight times. Yeah, jeez, it's just it's a crazy amount. So to win a third TJ, to win an Everest, and then to go over to Ascot and win by five over a thousand. It's just mind-blowing what this horse has done. So there's absolutely no doubt that he's horse of the year. One of the best sprinters we've ever seen. He's just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. He's, he's a freak, absolute freak talent. And you got to mention Chris Waller. He's just the master. I don't know if people mention him enough. I know he's the biggest trainer going out there, but this horse spent time under Darren Weir, Smurden, other trainers. It's not as if Chris Waller had him from the start and had the chance to work him out as a two and three-year-old. He got him as a tried horse and has just elevated this horse to new heights. So Hats off to him and his and his whole camp. Absolutely. I hope they keep going around with him as well. Um, look, obviously been some super horse performances and a lot of them involve good rides from jockeys and it's a good opportunity to have a little chat about the jockeys. This guy does not get away from the limelight. I don't think it's underestimated how good he is. Even Chris Parnham was on last week and said like, Willie Pike's the second best jockey. I don't think he's got J-Max measure. So it just tells you how highly regarded this bloke is, but how, how good is he? Yeah, J-Max just a freak, and it's similar to Chris Waller. I don't know if, they, if they're talked about enough, just how good they are. People go, oh, yeah, they've got the best horses, or J-Max sitting on the best horse. Well, there's a good reason for that. And you mentioned Chris Parnham. Like, I don't know if there's any person out there that, you know, they'll, they'll mention a jockey. The person that they're always compared to is J-Max, whether you're talking about Pike, Hugh Bowman, uh, you know, Chris Parnham himself. All of these guys are all compared to one bloke, and that's J-Max. So definitely on board with you there, mate. He's just a freak. Absolute freak. Um, 10 group one winners. The next was five. He's now amassed 153 million in prize money. I know he only gets five, 10% of that, but it's just a sickening amount. Like he, he, his win rate is 20% and he places at 48. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you've got the best horse in the rate, like, like winners um, are, are only one, like race only one by favorites 30% of the time. So, to be up and above that clip, you, you just got to be an absolute freak. And, and that's exactly what it is. He is a freak. In terms of jockeys on the rise, there's a few we've found that we, I'm just really excited to see where they head to. Obviously, we've had Chrissy on who's just, he's, he's already a star. He's going to keep getting better, but he probably will reach a bit of a ceiling if he stays over in Perth. Have you found any over this the course of the, the autumn, spring that you're really looking forward to following? Yeah, look, first one I want to touch on is Brody Loy, our good mate who, who was on the potty a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, you know, super excited to see what he can do up there in Queensland. He's just landed, you know, a really prized gig that I reckon a few jockeys down here, not only up there in Queensland, but down here as well, really wanted a piece of. And, you know, he, he's been handed the keys to the to the Annabelle Nation garage up there. And let me tell you, mate, there's there, there's some Ferraris in that garage. Let me tell you, mate. So I, I, I'm super excited to see what he can do up there. He's He's got a really good partnership with um, Todd Pollard up there as well, the assistant trainer of 
Annabelle. So yeah, I, I think um, he'll just clean up, especially over the spring where not a, not a lot of the, the top jockeys will be up there. He'll just clean up, mate. So definitely follow him. He is very good and he's a f- bloody good bloke as well. I want to mention one who's coming through the ranks. I, I think I'm probably announcing this maybe six months too late, but there's a guy named Tom Sherry, not Tom Berry, Tom Sherry who I believe is just writing out his apprentice claim at the moment. He's just on the end of it now. This kid's a star, like genuine star, gives all his horses a chance. If you're an apprentice, what sort of percentage would you like to be going at? Like, what do you reckon? If you, a win place percentage, talk to me. What do you reckon? What would you like? Like, like win, win first. As, a, as, a, as an apprentice, you're probably riding those horses that are probably poorly weighted. So you, you, most of the time you don't have the best horse in the race or the best chance. I'd be happy with around the nine percent mark. Try and get a you know win rate around there. Percent for the for the place, I'd probably looking at you know somewhere around twenty percent. I'd be happy with. So so we're saying one in ten winners, maybe one in five, one in twenty would be good. Mm. This bloke's going at fourteen percent. Mm. So he's riding a winner every seven or eight runs, and he's running a place thirty nine percent of the time. That's so a, the that's insane. Are, that's out of control. He's just he's unbelievable, and he's got a good name for it too. He won't yeah. get me. Absolutely. And and I think uh, Mark Noonan gives him a fair few rides as well. He's obviously a very astute trainer. So he's in a really good camp there. And yeah, on board with you there, mate. Super excited to see him. Just one more I want to I want to mention as well in Sydney uh, is Reese Jones. So I think he claims three at the moment. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ned, but he's um he's just recently sort of broken into those city um and, and provincial type races. And especially when all those big name jockeys were sort of following the carnival in, in Queensland and, and elsewhere. He's just cleaned up in the meantime. Like he's taken his opportunity and he's going at an awesome clip as well. And there's been a couple of times where he's picked up three or four wins on a Saturday at, at Ramwick and Rose Hill. So he's a young guy on the rise and, and similar to Tom Sherry, I'm, I'm definitely following him with um, with very close eyes. For sure. There you go, listeners. There's a few jockeys that you could probably follow. They do have rides often during the entire week as well. So if you see him on a horse that's either in the market or not in the market, there's a pretty good chance they'll give you a good run for your money. So Tommy Sherry, Brody Loy, and, and Reese Jones, they're the ones we want to stick with. By the way of trainers, I don't even want to say this girl's name because I know that this is this person means a lot to you. I think you lie about the fact that you have a picture of the autumn sun as your background. I actually think you just have like 26 different Annabelle Nation pictures on your desktop background. So can you talk to me about how good this woman's going in only two or three years of training? Yeah, well, firstly, I'm not going to comment on the pictures, mate. But secondly, I, I'll um, I'll, I'll, yeah, look, she, she, the way she's risen in the last two or three years, and obviously she came through at one of the best camps out there with Kieran Mara and Eustace. For anyone that doesn't know, she was sort of running their Sydney side of operations for a couple of years before she broke off on her own, and she must have some serious backing uh, behind her. She, she looks like she's got a a blank checkbook every time she goes to the Magic Millions, mate. She comes back with just an army of horses on the freeway, so. She's just, she keeps buying up her two-year-old. She trains them up. She gets results. But yeah, Nisham's flying at the moment. She's she's now set up that stable up in Queensland, as we said. So she's starting to build a little conglomerate for herself. And yeah, look, she's got horses like Zaki, Moanga, just super horses. And I'm going to mention as well, Swiss Exile, who I think we'll touch on a bit later. Um, just super, super horses, winning big group one, group two races. And um, for someone that's only done it by herself for a short amount of time, you've got to respect that. Absolutely. She's a star for sure. I think it'd be remiss of us not to mention just the resurgence of, of Gay and Adrian as well. Um, Adrian Bott has obviously teamed up with Gay in the last five years. And while she's sort of 
probably on the back end of her training and probably unable to get to the track as much as she'd like. He's really just a take, taken over the reins and they're, they're going as well as they have in the last five or six years at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've just got to mention horses like alligator blood, like getting that horse to, to get up and win a, and win a straight break is just a freakish performance. Like that horse had a massive spell, had issues, obviously went down with that, that, um, that drug ban it had. I'm not sure what ended up um, coming of that, but like, you just got to look as far as that for, for where these guys are at and, and how they've able to, to sort of get themselves back up to the top of the, of the totem pole. And obviously we saw a couple of years back with the, with the slipper with Farnan, um, you know, they're, they're well and truly back these guys. Absolutely. It, it, it's an opportunity to give the jockeys, the horses, the trainers, all these people a wrap. But at the end of the day, this is a, this is a podcast where me and you shine is where we chat form. It's where we, we, we tip, we tip things at odds. And it's a good opportunity for us to have a little bit of a chat about the second again tips of the year. Look, I'll kick it off with yours. And this was just an outstanding tip in a really high profile race. And I speak of Fireburn. This horse was 12 bucks. I'd barely heard of the thing. And you've just come on and said, oh, Gary put, here you go. Here's a quote. <laughs> this is how many times I've watched this clip of you. Gary Portelli's got this thing and it goes pretty good. It's won two in a row. I think it wins the slipper at 12 bucks. And what did it do? Came out and won. Came out and won. Like you got to mention the ride as well from Brenton Abdullah. It was a freakish ride. And, and that ride actually suited his style down to the ground. So, yeah, I mean, the, the horse has gone on and done super things. Was an inch away from from winning the Triple Crown and, and going on and winning the size and the Champagne. So, yeah, I mean, the, the horse is going to go on and do it as a three-year-old. But these types of wins here, and, and I've got to mention as well, I was at the track that day and it was euphoria when that horse went over the line. I had a, had a few little, anyone that asks, mate, I'm, I'm not going to come out and, and declare it, but if someone asks me, I'm going to tell you that Fireburn will win the slipper. So a couple of people had a little word and, and they were pretty happy at the end of the day. So, mate, this is what we do it for to, to you know, win win races like this at, at that sort of price and, and on the big days. Absolutely. You, you tipped us into one a week or two ago as well. Another big race, the Tatsiara, that was Star Tonts. This is a horse that you've literally, I think that, I think Star Tonts, the horse, has a photo of you doing something <laughs> wrong because the amount of times you've tipped this thing is phenomenal. But i got to say, mate, you're stuck fat and you've stuck fat for good reason. It's come out and won at 12 bucks. So I'm... I'm definitely licking my wounds after giving you enough shit about the <laughs> well, horse. That, well that, done. That's the game, isn't it? You just got to stick to your guns sometimes. Sometimes it comes off and other times you just got egg on your face. But, you know, if if you if you like a horse and you do your form right and you stick to your formulas and and you, and you stick to your guns, then, you know, keep following those horses because they will, they will reward you at the end of the day. So glad it did this time and we could get a big group one in before the, before the end of the carnival. Absolutely. And we were also lucky enough, we tipped Juas in the in the Australian Cup. I can't remember what was favourite that day. Uh, Spanish Mission. And mate, I want to correct you there because it was you that tipped Juas. And I'm glad you overruled me on the tip sheet, mate, because that was massive that day. That was a huge performance. I believe I actually tipped Spanish Mission on the day when J-Mac rode him. So, mate, Juas, you were super keen on. Mate, I, I don't know how you came up with it. It was He obviously went on to bigger and better things throughout the campaign. But, mate, that was huge. It was good. It was really good. It's always nice when you take on a favourite too and sort of go for that second or third pick. Um, they're sort of our top three highlights. And there's something that's brewing and it's a, it's it's not even the elephant in the room any, anymore. It's the cowboy in the room. This has just become something of legend. We've had Chris Parnham come on, come on who sent us a message 
after the after the podcast and said, oh, so proud to be a part of that segment. And the segment I'm talking about, Jackson, it's something you know pretty well. <laughs> they call it the Best Western. Now, I'm going to give you a few facts, a few things here, right? The Best Western, you only get one crack at your bet for the weekend. You don't get to put a tip sheet out for the day. You just pick one. One from over there in those benchmark 66s that they run on. You have tipped nine out of 15 best Westerns. So, yes, nine, nine out of 15. And I'm not talking about place. I'm talking about horses that have won. You've gone at over 60%. I just want to give you a round of applause. And I know how many... We, we get messages on Saturdays at six when we haven't posted the best Western yet. And it just shows you the stature that this is at. So, congratulations to you, mate. No, I appreciate that, mate. I obviously love doing the best Western. Love doing my, my form on the gravel tracks over there. And it was pretty funny when Chrissy Boy asked us about the um what, what the hell the gravel tracks are. Because I know there was a few people wondering. So, mate, it's, it, it's always good fun. But... Just so the punters know as well, it's not just to get you guys out of jail, it's to get me out of jail as well. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely doing the form for himself. He's just happy to spread the love around. <laughs> um, now, this was a riffing moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this straight over to you. Just a best guess moment that we've had so far for the season. Yeah, well, we obviously just spoke about him. Um, Chris Parnham was a he, he was a character. He's it was funny because we we spoke to him and he, and you mentioned it during the potty. He's just the the ultimate professional. He's just he's straight down the line. He's there's no fuss about him. He doesn't give you the mayo in the sandwich. He just gives you the plain white bread. We got to the stage at the end of the the episode where obviously he just asked us about the gravel tracks and what the fuck we were talking about there. But we actually asked him about his couple of rides coming up that particular Saturday and. It was funny because he comes out and goes, and, and this rocked me, by the way. He comes out and goes, mate, to be honest with you, I don't even know what I'm riding on Saturday. <laughs> and I was, I just sat back and I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, that a guy that was, he, he's one of the most talented jockeys I've seen. And I think I said at the time, I said, mate, you'll just get a call from your agent, won't you, during the morning. You get a bit of a rundown, maybe a couple of chats to the trainers, and you'll go out and ride fucking five winners, which he normally does. Like, just to know that that's the level that he's at. And he doesn't even really have to know like what's going on with the horses campaign or anything like that. He will jump on and give it the best chance because he's, he's just the best over there. It's unbelievable. It had me in absolute stitches as well. The fact that you could literally say, sorry, boys, I can't steer into one because I actually don't know what I'm riding. I just want to mention as well, the one, like we asked him about two horses. One of them was scratched. The horse that we did speak about um, in the first, that two-year-old Aztec ruler came out and won. It was a massive performance. So I hope everyone that was listening jumped on because, you know, we we bring these guys on for a reason and, and you know, they, they normally give us some chocolates. Absolutely. Um, couple horses to follow for the spring. This horse has sort of become our, our podcast horse. He's become a little bit of a stable horse for us. I think, Everyone probably knows what we're talking about that listens week to week. And we're talking about Marzu. He's just continues to win. He's won a big one now. He's a star. He's got an Everest slot. There's not really much more to say. Yeah. I was just so impressed by what this horse was able to do this campaign and came back as a gelding. Um, they tried to press on as a cult a couple of years ago with him, but um, he's just so much better now as a gelding. He's got the ultimate racing pattern. Sam Clipperton's just always puts him in the A1 spot and the horse gives a supreme effort. And probably the most impressive part of his campaign for me was winning that 10,000 up in Dubin. That was just a massive performance off a little layup. Um, I thought he was done with his campaign. I thought they were going to tip him out for a spell, but the horse just continues to race well. He always rides himself to the mark. He, he never cheats the punters. So, mate, money on Marzu. Let's follow him in the spring as well. Absolutely. I, I want to give a horse of yours a bit of a wrap as well because I genuinely do think that this horse 
could be a star and it has shown through the way that Annabelle's decided to actually train the horse and taper off rather than trying to go for that massive scalp with this horse. They've gone, no, no, no. We're going to save it for three-year-olds. It's shown enough. We're going to go down a golden rose path. Can you just touch on just quickly what sort of direction they are heading in and how far you think the horse can go? Yeah, look, how far he goes, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad he's still a cult because there was a point in his career where they were talking about giving him the ultimate gear change. So I'm glad they stuck with him. And Annabelle, just being the trainer that she is, just sorted him out. But he's um, he's actually arrived back at the stable this week. He'll be um, having a trial first week of August. So from there, he'll, he'll, uh, he should start anyway in the, in the San Domenico. That's towards the end of August. And then uh, head on to a run to the Rose and then Golden Rose. I don't know whether he gets the 1400 um, for a high pressure level race. He obviously ran really well in that size race that she's a belter one. So the form's there and, and, and she's a belter came out and won the, um, uh, the JJ Atkins the, the following uh, couple of weeks. But look, he's a horse with talent. We know that he's got that awesome race and Patney goes forward and he's fucking tough. So I'm, I'm keen for that. The, the ultimate, and, and this is just an owner's dream. It probably won't happen. But the ultimate dream for me is if he goes, the Golden Rose path has a four or five week little layoff and we see him up the straight in the uh, the Coolmore stud. Whoa. So that, that'll that be that'll be an absolute dream if that happens. But um, it, it's what we get in the game for, mate, for these types of horses. Absolutely. You're super lucky as well. Like looking forward to riding it with you. The best part is it's a two-year-old. So you might have a few good years with it. Um, Yance, how do we forget about this horse? Like, yeah. Yeah, she, she's a star. She's an absolute star and and just continued to rise through the greys last prep. She um she started as short as a dollar fifteen at Flemington that day when they stepped her up to two thousand and just like did it easy. Um she beat some pretty nice handy types in Gentleman Roy and, and, and those types of horses um over there in Flemington. And she actually came across and they threw her in the deep end for that Queen of the uh Queen of the Turf. Uh, Nimalee won that day and, and um, she was very good. She doesn't enjoy those wet tracks, I can tell you that, but she kept trying through the line through the line and was actually getting stronger as she um as she approached the finish. And so that was an absolute leader's track that day, too. She was only one of the only ones to make up any ground. Leaders track, bog track, and I just found those tracks so weird as well, like throughout the spring, uh, the autumn, sorry, for for Rose Hill and Realmic. I just couldn't work them out. So I was super impressed with the way that horse finished off that day. And um, the 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 race I've got earmarked for it, and I hope the, the Kieran Ma and Eustace do as well, is the Empire Rose on Derby Day. It's the, the mile race for the mares. That's a race that she profiles really well for, and I'm keen to see how she'd go. Absolutely. She looks an absolute star. Um, for a couple younger horses, we've got political debate and sharp and smart as well. You think in Derby, that, do they look, they political debate definitely looks like a horse that is looking for more ground and wants that extra ground. Is a Derby the direction? Well, to be honest, I don't think you need to be an elite level stayer anymore to win a Derby race. Um, there's just not much talent around anymore once you, you step out above the mile um, here in Australia. So disappointing from that standpoint but when you look at these two horses i think they've stamped themselves as genuine derby chances already i know we, we're sort of um before the spring and derby's towards the end of the spring and we have to wait and see but i just think both these horses profile really well they went up to the mile for the, the both of them uh political debate was only in his first campaign so he's definitely got more to come and the way chris waller just um you know trains these horses he'll have him ready to go for a derby if that's the way they go Interesting with Sharp and Smart, the trainer, his name eludes me, he's from New Zealand. Um, he's come out and, and mentioned that um, this horse might be aimed at a Cox Plate. So that's a big fucking call um, just to be going through two-year-old races. But um, yeah, really excited to see where these two horses can, can get to. I think they're going to start one-two in the in the derby if you, if you were to ask me today. 
There you go. Huge, 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 huge. I, I think they both look like really, really smart horses. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they head. You mentioned Cox Plate, and I just can't help but start thinking about the horses like Hitotsu and State of Rest. And oh, just looking forward to the spring where we get to chat about it. Um, look, really good to wrap up the season. There is racing this weekend. There's racing every weekend. And we're not too keen this weekend on having a punt, but I'm sure I'll find a way to open that sports bet app. I think my thumb just like automatically does it when it's like Saturday, 11, 12. It's just like, I can't even stop it. So even without one thumb, I'm sure I'll find a way. So yeah, I, I was going to say, I dare say you'll have a miraculous recovery with your thumb and, and find a way to uh, knock a few through the bet slip. Might be a bit of a, uh, hey Siri, can you place a bet on number two each way at Caulfield on the fifth? Speaking of Caulfield, there is a horse and his name is Inundation. Did you see its last win? I did. It was huge. Absolutely huge. My goodness. So this thing goes around in race five and this is at Caulfield. It's $1.55 at the moment. I know that's nothing exciting. John McNeil for, for Price and Kent. Around that $1.55 might get out. I think you might get $1.70. Do you we'll like see. It? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not sure what price we'll get. I'm not sure we'll get $1.80, $1.90. I, I, I'm not too confident with that. I think it'll be $1.60 at best. Um, but yeah, look, the, the way this horse has won his, his, his races this campaign, and similar to Mazu, he's a horse that um, started off as a cult. They gave him one run. He got beat on debut, and they actually returned him as a gelding. Um, so he's just gone to new lengths. And he looks like a real nice progressive horse that's just sort of going through his grades. And he might actually be one of those horses that catches a few of those classy types out at the start of spring because he'll be up and running. He's rising through the grades. He's nice and fit. And if he can get through Saturday and do what we expect him to, he might be a horse to follow in the spring as well. Absolutely. A three-year-old as well. So exciting times for inundation. And then another horse that I want to mention who's coming back through a group three so that you got the, the Sir John Monash and that's race eight at Caulfield. Oxley Road comes into this first up. I think it's just going to be extremely hard to beat. You got the likes of Maliva and I just don't think that these horses are up the class of Oxley Road. Like you're talking about a horse that what? It ran Murabi to two lengths. Who's this just gun horse that's coming through. So I just think 290 for Oxley Road in that race looks outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. And and Moody had enough of an opinion about this horse to take him to a new market as well. So, you know, the, the, the opinion's there. And you know when you got that backing of the trainer that there's probably a good reason for that. So, yeah, I think the price is fine on the weekend. I think he's the best winning chance probably on the card. I'm going to go with a multi there, actually, mate. I'm going to go inundation into Oxley Road. You should get around that 450. Get your boosters out. Get whatever you can. You might even be able to get five bucks i got a question for you. You know it's coming, don't you? <laughs> I'm talking about a little bit of tumbleweed. I'm talking about, you know, just some stuff that happens over on the other side of the country. It's been a while since we've had a chat about it. It's been a real while. And geez, I've missed it. It's almost like withdrawal symptoms when I haven't heard it for a while. Best Western, Jacko. Talk to me. Mate, we are in race three, so I hope the punters are still up and about. I hope everyone's still trudging through um, in in these winter months. We've only got a month and a half till till spring starts to start, guys. So just uh, keep rolling with the best Western for now. We're going race three, number two, Reliable Star. The horse run really well last start. It's up to the 2,200 now. It's fit. It's uh, fifth up from a spell. Rises in weight, but they're actually claiming with Holly Watson, who's a jockey that's on the rise over there. And 
Um, there's no Chris Parnham this week. He's He's got a suspension. So some of these other jockeys will have to put their hand up. And Holly, you're up. So let's um, let's get the best Western home this weekend. I think it's the best winning chance on the card. Should get around the 220, 230, guys. And maybe a little bit... Um, um, maybe a little bit better on the weekend, depending on where you shop. So, yep, race three, guys, uh, reliable star. Fantastic, mate. I'll be on board, even if it's my only bet for the day, which I doubt it will be, but it'll it'll be my only bet after after two o'clock anyway, three o'clock. Um, mate, ripping episode. It's been really good to have a chat and just wrap up what's been an awesome, awesome year of racing, both for the horses, the trainers, the jockeys, and especially for us where um, – this is episode 23 or four. I can't even remember, but it's just, um, it's all happening pretty quickly and we're, we're having a great time. We'll put up a poll. So we, me and Jackson have obviously done our little draft for our top three favorites each for what the, our best performances for this, for the season have been. We're going to put that to you guys on Instagram. If you don't follow us already, we're at second again um, on the Instagram as well. Keep listening in, keep uh, sharing the, and spreading the word for us guys. We're, we're loving doing what we're doing. That's it. Spread the good word, guys. Jump on Insta. Let's go. Cheers, guys. Good luck. Cheers.